We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. What makes something funny? I think it's pointing out the stuff that's hiding in plain sight. You know, I've been working on a bit for a while. I'm going to try and figure out a way to fit it into the next special if it's not too insensitive. But the basic premise is that a gas station is a place for murder. (laughs) If you look at the old filling stations in the 50s, where it used to be a guy coming out front and squeegeeing and checking your fluids, And now he's inside behind bulletproof glass. He's got to buzz you in. And like even the signage on a gas station door, it's all set up to prevent murder. Like there's a sign on the door. It just straight up says, we we don't know how to open the safe. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So you've gone in a gas station your whole life. But if you've never looked at it from that perspective, then I can set a thesis and then I can start making points that hopefully break down and support my thesis statement. I like to start with what? And by the end of the journey of that joke, go, oh, damn, okay, I see what you're saying. Roy Wood Jr. is one of the smartest comedians around, a brilliant guy who kills it on The Daily Show and on stage. But where most great comedians are fearless, Roy admits that he's not fearless. He's not that egotistical, crush-the-audience kind of guy He's a thinker who likes to present his funny thoughts and stories and keep it moving. I love his comedy, and it was an honor to have him on the show because I think his star is on the rise. As always, this is the Patreon era of Torre Show. We got two great episodes a week for you now, including a Friday Patreon exclusive just for our Patreon supporters. So for that, go to patreon.com slash Show. And if you're not down with us on Patreon, You're only getting half of this app, so join us to hear the whole hysterical, amazing thing. Here we go. It's Roy Wood Jr. on Torre Show. How did you develop a routine and jokes and and bits and... I studied, I think a lot of comedians, when they first start, I think it's just a, it's a gross impersonation of a comic you respect. Okay. For me, my early days were, it was a Martin Lawrence meets George Carlin performativeness, which I would never do now. Like if you watch Martin Lawrence in the nineties with like Funk It or You So Crazy and you watch me, 
I'm not nearly as expressive. I don't use the stage the way Martin does. Like Martin's a stage stalker like Chris Rock where he's, you know, oscillating a lot. And now I'm pretty grounded within maybe like a three-foot radius of center stage. But in those days, I was much more, this is what funny looks like. I got to do this. And big faces. I got to get on Comic View because that's how I'm going to get money is get on BET. Harlan and Martin Lawrence seem to me to be very different (laughs) And I feel like there's sort of and 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 build on this for me because you know this better than I do. But there's kind of two kind of comics. Some people who get by on great ideas like Carlin, like Chris Rock, and some people who are just sort of funny with the sound of their voice and the way they move their body, like Bernie Mac, like Martin Lawrence, where you know almost and he could read the phone book and it would be funny. Whereas other people need those smart ideas that kill you. And Carlin. Is one of those, and Martin is the other. Is is that kind of how you can yeah, d- but, divide I mean, it but up? I think that's part of what made Richard Pryor so great is because he had all of that in his arsenal. Pryor could stand still. He could be contemplative. He could hit you with something that's slow and smooth. And then he could go, wow, man, man, wow, and then the thing, and point, move, zip, zap, and maybe take two steps over here and then come back to center and then be right back center and making a real serious point. I mean, he could do a baby being born, and it was, like, yeah. incredible. Like, that was what I found so fascinating about uh, Chris Rock's Tambourine mm-hmm. uh, special on Netflix is that for a better part of the front half of the special, it's Chris Rock as you know him or mm-hmm. as you're used to seeing him. And then the back half of the special, when he starts Dark. getting personal about his life, which is something he's never done on stage. No, he's not personal. But now I'm going to be personal. You got to stand still for that shit. And it became a much more intimate show. And so when not, you can do both of those things, not, that's Jedi level it's comedy. It's not funny, but it's compelling as hell. Mm-hmm. Which is why when you come out on the other side of it with a laugh, it's almost a release as much as it is a punchline. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my early days, you know, I was 19. You talk about what you know. So I'm telling jokes about book buyback and why your roommate, ways to keep your roommate from eating your food. The problem is <laughs> you're performing to 40-year-olds at most open mics. You know, Florida State had a comedy night once a month. I could get over there and get three minutes. I wasn't a student. I lied. There, were, there was this uh, woman, uh, Meg. Ah, I can't remember her last name. But there was this white lady who was also from Birmingham. And just off the strength of us both being from Alabama, she just played me like a Florida State student and would put me on the lineup. Every week and got me paid gigs opening for Earthquake and Bobby Lee and all of these other guys. But the early days of my stand up, I was performing for adults. And what I realized is that I couldn't talk about myself because no one gives a shit what a 19 year old is going through. So what are the common denominators between us and figure out, you know, jokes around that? I didn't really care a lot about politics, but generally, if you go food, relationships, sports, you can unify a room just off those base three level joke topics. All mm-hmm. right. Here's how I feel about sports and steroids was starting to bubble up. That was starting to become the conversation nationally. Um, you know, I like this food. I hate that food, this restaurant, don't you hate when the waitress like figuring out shared experiences. And I think that a lot of it for me was, you know, the other thing with the South is that you're on stage every week for a different demo. Comedy's not every week in Alabama or Tallahassee. It's once a month. Open mic to me. 
So if you're trying to get on stage every week at an open mic or get any stage time, you might be in a casino. There used to be a um, there used to be a casino gig. Katrina took swept it away, but Casino Magic in Biloxi, Mississippi, used to have a Monday night comedy night, and it was terrible. And nobody in that room was under the age of 65. Anybody with a walker, wheelchair, or oxygen tank was front row. (laughs) And the next night, you're performing for Dope Boys in Macon, Georgia. So what's the joke or what's the thing that's going to unify? Because otherwise, you're just performing different jokes in every city and you're not getting better. So for me, it was sports, relationships, food. Those were the three. And so that's kind of where it all started. Deeper than that, what makes something funny? What's going to make us laugh? I think it's pointing out the stuff that's hiding in plain sight. When you see things, you take something and you see it one way, and you're used to seeing it one way. And a comedian comes in and goes, well, if you turn it like this, it's really this. You know, I've been working on a bit for a while. I'm going to try and figure out a way to fit it into the next special if it's not too insensitive. But the basic premise is that a gas station is a place for murder. <laughs> that's that's the base premise is that no, because of crime, no building has evolved more than a gas station. If you look at the old filling stations in the 50s where it used to be a guy coming out front and squeegeeing and checking your fluid, and now he's inside behind bulletproof glass. He's got to buzz you in. like And like even the signage on a gas station door, it's all set up to prevent murder. Like there's a sign on the door. It just straight up says, we, we, we don't know how to open the safe. Right, 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 right. That's a plea. That's a plea for you to not. <laughs> don't murder me. Don't murder me. I'm telling you now before you come in here, I can't open this. I only have $20 in the register. <laughs> like, so you've gone in a gas station your whole life. But if you've never looked at it from that perspective, then I can set a thesis and then I can start making points that hopefully break down and support my thesis statement which is where I like to come from. I like to start with what? And by the end of the journey of that joke, go, oh, damn, okay, I see what you're saying. There is something in like, right, right, when you're laughing, like he's right, she's right, like, yes, yes. There's no other building, there's no other business that you go into. And I'm not going to say I hardcore research, but I try to stay as aware as I can when I'm out and I'm taking in the world. There's no other building that you go into where there are numbers by the door as you exit the four, five, six, seven that's by the door on the strip. When you leave a gas station, that's so that they can estimate the height of the robber. (laughs) as he. I'm serious. That's literally why it's there. So many people have robbed these establishments that we had to put a ruler on the door (laughs) so we can narrow it down. So, the bubble, the 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 fisheye mirrors in the corner, the bright lights, the way that the aisles are angled, so that you can see down the aisles from the outside. That's so that the police, when there's a, they can look in to make sure everything is cool. It's set up to prevent murder. So is this something that you pulled into a gas station and you're on and you're like, oh, or are you sitting at home writing and it comes out of the brainstorm of like, no, don't say robbery, say murder. 
Yeah, it start. I mean, the bigger. I mean, I won't get into the whole thing, but the bigger, the bigger scope of that joke is just about mass shootings and how mass shootings have gone into places that we traditionally considered safe, and that's part of the horror of it. These places were supposed to be safe places. A concert, a church. These were supposed to be safe places. We know what the dangerous places were. And so from that idea, then the idea, then the thought, the brainstorm exercise becomes, okay, Roy, what are the dangerous places? Okay. Um, Nightclubs, banks, check cashing spots are pretty dangerous. I don't. Pawn shops. I'm on the edge when I'm in a pawn shop. <laughs> Could happen. And then gas stations. And this is true. I don't get gas at night. Like, that's just not my thing. I don't. Because it could happen. Yeah. That's when it usually happens. People are driving trucks into gas stations, tying up the ATM, and driving off on some wily Coyote shit. That doesn't happen at two in the afternoon. <laughs> so now that I have a list. So if it's a brainstormer constructing this joke, now I have a list of places that I think that we would all agree as a society are traditionally dangerous or it's not a shock if you found out that something went down at these places. Okay, well, what is it about these places that says danger when you walk in? Okay, a nightclub has a bouncer. They have a metal detector. They've got a stamp. They, you know, they put your they put your ID under that little UV. Uh, some, some of the, some of those UV lights where they're checking your ID, it's really a camera. Mm-hmm. And they're logging every single person that came in and out of the building. Mm-hmm. So that if there is some drama, the police can just sit and look at a file of JPEGs to see who was there. So that's not at most spots. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it, you start looking at the gas station, and that's where you make the deduction of all of these different security measures that exceed all of the other aforementioned locations that we've deemed and denoted as being dangerous the gas station off the rip bright lights floor to ceiling windows there's no gas station with where you can't see below waist level (laughs) every gas station floor to ceiling this is all for safety but seinfeld and others talk about like the economy of words and the usage of words and the placement of words and you hear folks really thinking about the rhythm of the words and all that Stuff matters, right? I mean, remember, for me, it was revelatory. I, I love Sarah Silverman. I watch Jesus' Magic, and she does this great thing where she does the bits, and it's hilarious. And then she has a sort of mousy younger girl saying the same exact words right after at the end, and it's not funny, mm-hmm. right? And the way you say the stuff matters immensely, right? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's about establishing unique point of view first i don't think i'm anywhere near wordsmith like jerry seinfeld i'm more performative and octaves and tempo to me that's where the sound yeah you know i saw chris rock i I had the joy i wish more people could see their favorite performers prepare working for the big fight uh i think the special was bigger and blacker um matter of fact i'm gonna yeah, it was bigger and blacker where he would go on the road and he came to Birmingham when I was still living there. And Chris Rock builds his act with no performance, no intonation, no no vocal tricks, just the jokes so that you know for sure the words are funny. Then when you add 
stage stalking and you add an up octave and a facial expression and a turn, now the joke was on steroids. And now the joke isn't resting upon your performance mm. solely. So you know, I try to do that. You know, I try to go back and find little tricks. Like, you know, even when you say the word mass shooting, for that joke, what I've learned in building that joke is that I cannot say that word. The first time I say that word is in the middle of someone laughing, is in the middle of the audience laughing about something that already came so that the word feels more like a segue of a thought than a landing point. Because when you land on it, then psychologically, I think that the audience immediately goes to the saddest possible place. Every person in that room is going to think about the saddest thing to them. And there's nothing I can say or do to overcome that. Even the word murder took a while to figure out, okay, here's where I can say it. And then it becomes something deeper. Like in that whole run, in the whole run about that bit that I'm trying to work, um, I talk about how living in New York, New York is a dangerous place. There's a lot of different ways to die every day, just walking down the street, you know, train tracks and bricks falling from 40 stories. And that's why I don't understand why people wear noise canceling headphones. Um, even when I have on headphones, I keep one headphone off of my ear. Only one headphone is on my ear. The other headphone is just sitting up because this is my murder ear and my murder <laughs> ear needs to be able to hear the murder that's happening. So if you say murder ear and murder is the, f- the first time I say murder is murder ear. I can't explain it and I can, I can give you the tapes and listen to it, but murder becomes associated with funny and it becomes associated with the punchline. So anytime after that, that I say murder, you know, I'm, you know, I don't really mean, I'm not trying to invoke dark feelings and like, I'm not making light of it in that sense. You take me serious. Like you, you go with me on the lighter side of what I'm trying to say. And you agree that murder is a funny word. And if I keep doing that right, then it earns me the right to say mass shooting. You only say it once. You only have to say it once. Cause once you say that, you're off to the journey of all the dangerous places in the gas station and all that other stuff. But it only needs to be said once and said in a lighter sense so that you just know the ballpark of where I'm thinking. And then after that, I can go wherever I want. And that's something that's that, you know, I think a lot of comedians are having to deal with now is just that certain words are going to take the air out of the room. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out, all right, you can do that. But how are you going to get out of that valley? You know, or do you set it up in a way where it doesn't put you in a valley? And that's where inflection and tempo and facial expression and all of that stuff. I cannot frown while I'm doing this material. Now, I can't have a fake grin on my face like a beauty pageant contestant. Right. But I have to be upbeat. Right. Like, it's my murder ear. And you know, my, I can't do it like that. <laughs> like, that's, hor- that's horrific. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. 
My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. If you love Torrey's show and you miss the days of me talking about politics on MSNBC, and really, who doesn't, then check out my other podcast, Democracy-ish, where I sit with Danielle Moody-Mills and argue and strategize about the 2020 race from a black and progressive perspective. We've been joking for months now, like, if we still have a country would mm. be our tagline at the end of the show. And we made a joke that we would be recording from a bunker, mm. right? And here we, here we actually are. You can find Democracy-ish wherever podcasts are streamed. All right, back to Torre Show. You talk about seeing people work out. I saw Chappelle at uh, the Comedy Cellar, which is where a lot of people in New York City go to just work out. That 2 a.m., yeah. seven, eight years ago, and just to see him practicing. And he was clearly practicing. It was extraordinary. And I mean, it's genius, even at a practice level. Yeah. You'll see him go through a 30-minute dip, and then 45 minutes. I saw him do four hours in L.A. at Neil Brennan's room, 
And it was just, it was a clinic. It was a clinic. Chappelle walked in at like 9 p.m. I text my girl. I'm like, I ain't coming home. I'll be home like for four and I'll see you in a bit. I'm about to go get a pizza and come back. Because I knew he was going to post up for what a while. What makes him so great? I think he's fearless. I think Chappelle is fearless. If there were three people, if there were three performers, if I had the opportunity to just watch them prepare, not perform, just prepare, it'd be Chappelle, Whoopi Goldberg, and Solange Knowles. Like, those three, like, you want to know what greatness takes, man. I saw Whoopi. We were um, we were working an ABC pilot together, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And they come in with, you know, there's always script changes and notes or whatever. And she's working The View and all of that all day. And there's at least 20 new pages in the script. And you know how you know someone's good. You know they're a legend, but you never seen it. They gave Whoopi Goldberg this script that she ain't seen. I know she ain't seen. I'm struggling to that. And it's a table read. So at a table read, that's where the network all comes in to see you perform. And you're basically acting in a chair. So we can get a feel for the script or whatever. I ain't seen this shit before. I'm nervous. And people have lost their jobs at table reads. Like, you can go as an actor, you can perform at a table read and it not be good, and the producers just feel like you didn't understand the way the jokes were supposed to go. That's why them jokes didn't work. It ain't us, it's you. You're fired. And you will get a call from your agent on the way to your car. So a table read. So just because you got the job don't mean you got the job. You have to perform every day. So for me, I'm paranoid. This is a network sitcom. This is my chance. I'm in the corner, and I'm just... (laughs) And I don't know what the hell system Whoopi Goldberg got in place, but she's looking through the script, breeze through everything one time. She sat at that table at a table read, and it was a 45-minute table read. She looked at that script three times total. She knew the lines. Like, who you know memorizing shit at a table read? Look at the paper. Pretend that you're not good. <laughs> Just pretend, Whoopi. <laughs> Straight flex, man. Like, And I don't know how... You see someone do something, you go, oh, my God, how do I get to that level? Like, I'm not, I'm not good. I'm just here in the room. Uh, Solange, I saw, I was hosting uh, Essence Fest in uh, New Orleans one year, and she was one of the headliners. And, and you know, as a host, you know, everyone's doing sound check, so I'm supposed to come in for sound check to do all this other stuff, you know, stage directions and whatever. The cool thing about Soundcheck at Essence Fest is that you get to watch the other artists do a soundcheck. Solange ran the whole show from the stage, you know, working the acoustics and the tempo and all of that shit. And then she goes and sits in the audience. And then they run the whole show again while she sits in the audience to watch it from the POV of one of her fans. Still singing, but watching. And stopping periodically, yeah, trombone two, two inches here, come up, dancer three, you come up here, all right, perfect. All right, let's do it again. Meticulous, meticulous stage placement, which is something I've been trying to work a little bit on. You know, if you got a good director, you can pull it off, but I also think that there's something not only to the left and right of stage performance, but to the upstage, downstage, the depth the closing of distance between you and the audience and how 
you can play louder further away, but if you're going to play the edge of the stage, play that softer and more intimate. Are you fearless? I don't think so. I'm nervous as fuck the whole time I'm on stage. Like <laughs> nervousness keeps you honest. So I like that. I like having the fear, but if I feel like I have a well-crafted idea and opinion on an issue, I'm going to go with it and I'm cool with whatever comes of that. You know, to me the fun that's the fun is juggling dynamite, man. Is there's no fun in just telling the joke. It's trying to get you to see the world differently. Even if you don't agree, that was the beauty of Carlin. Even if you didn't agree with him, you still laughed. That takes, to me, that takes another level of guts. You know, I try, I'm not on that level, but I made sure with my first special with a father figure, this is a predominantly black audience that I performed it in front of. Let's do a pro-Confederate flag joke. <laughs> Out the gate. You know, you know that Out joke. Out the gate. That joke is so funny because you, 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 I mean, like you talk about letting me see it in a different way. Because normally I would see a Confederate flag and I tense up and be like, that person's not for me. And your joke was like, Yes, we want to know who to stay away from. Yeah. So please let them have their flag. Yeah. So we don't. Okay, great. Stop. I'm not going over there. <laughs> yeah. Because when you take the flag, what are they going to have? We ain't going to know who they are. <laughs> so I need to know who the dangerous white people are. So that's a that's a perfect example of what. Oh, okay. I yeah, get it. I that makes sense. That makes sense. Right, you but you also you attack the stage in a way you don't come out and say, "Hey, how you doing? I'm Roy. Nice to meet you. How y'all doing?" You just come right up, joke right away. Let's go. Let's go. It's like, what was, uh, I can't remember the second special, but I do remember the first, the first chunk is about police reform and how the military, how America treats their vets after they come home. We can go, Hey, how you doing? But I just think the shock of just being dropped in cold water is jarring enough for us to go, to go on this journey because I don't want to, f- I don't want to lie to you with a smile and, Man, it's good to be here. Good to see you guys. So, uh, police reform, you know. Um, police are crazy. You, you know, we got to pay cops more, you know, because then they'll snitch on each other. It's like, no, come out the gate. Pay cops more. Well, what the fuck is wrong with him? What the hell is his problem? I got your attention, and that's what I need. I need your attention. I don't need you to like me. You can decide on that yourself later, but I need your undivided attention immediately, as quickly as possible. I only have 60 minutes. That's that's my goal coming out the gate. I don't know if I always hit it, but that's why I, I don't know. I have more fun doing that than late night sets now. Do you aspire to the fearlessness that you're talking about in others or you want to stay with the I'm nervous, I don't know if this is going to work? I think the audience has to decide that. I know that's a cliche answer, but I want What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, 
I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash thrivemarket.com slash On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. To push the limits of your thinking and what you think is right. Now, if people want to call that fearless, cool. I'll wear that hat. But I'm not going to sit here and call myself the world's most dangerous comedian. You don't know what going to come out my mouth. Just know that it was well thought out, even if you don't agree with it. Um, I'm not here to just say what everybody else is already thinking. I would rather bring up some stuff you might not have thought about. The routine that I've been listening to, not of yours, the most the last couple of months and listen to over and over my kids and oh my god ronnie chang's asian american or asian comedian destroys america i mean Netflix, like, yeah oh my god that's that, my office mate man i know that's your homie that's why i bring it up like that that hour murders the building there's 25 minutes that he didn't even put in there ronnie's already sitting on halfway to his next hour special like that's when we have slow news days at work, that's kind of me and Ronnie's thing. We'll kind of we'll bounce bits. What are you working on? Oh, here's a bit. And here's, say it like this. So put that in there. Or you should make this point and just make each other better. Like that's the cool thing about stand-up is that it's very collaborative if, you, if you'll allow it to be. Mm-hmm. If you will allow the comedians to sprinkle in some of their perspective, it could make you better. You don't have to take all the advice. Mm-hmm. You sit there, man. We watch other comedian specials. We, we just watched uh, we just watched Leslie Jones together in the office. We watched my man Alonzo Bowden. Um, so you know, like that's you know, on a slow day. I don't want Trevor to hear this and think we ain't be doing shit. <laughs> We're in here <laughs> fucking around. <laughs> um, but how do you get better? Repetition. Repetition and trim words. Once I have the idea, once I have the joke and I feel like, okay, I've juiced all of the points I want to make. What can I start taking out? What's not getting a laugh and not being married to the material? And I think that's a mistake that I've made in the past is the joke is funny to me, so I'm going to do it. The, the, the occupation, the job occupation, the job description is to make them laugh. And if this joke is a five-level laugh in between two jokes that are getting an eight-level laugh, why wouldn't why not just put two eights back to back? Especially if the five does nothing to forward the ideology of the joke. You're not presenting new information or a new perspective. It's just an extra joke. So just take it out. You know, there's there's um there's I don't know, there's just psychology to it. I mean, to to not keep going back to the gas station bit, but 
Everyone understands being locked in or getting buzzed into a gas station. But the concept of late at night, a drawer and having to put your money in a drawer and (laughs) the guy walking away and pointing to the stuff that you want, that only resonates generally with black audiences. So I know if I'm performing in Brooklyn, it's a predominantly white audience. I drop that part of the bit. Just because I don't feel like y'all staring, because I know y'all ain't, y'all don't get it, because y'all ain't ever been to the hood. You haven't been to the hood enough to even understand what I'm explaining. Now for the special, I'll do that for TV because that joke is for that's for us. You know, that's that's another thing is about making sure that the material speaks to you know the black experience, if not for the whole hour, if surely for part of it, because that's part that's important too. To well, me. building on that. What's the difference between a good stand-up and a great stand-up? Um, I think laughter versus perspective. I think a great stand-up leaves you thinking differently. You know, I watch Chappelle and I think differently. I'll have opinions about his opinions and it may reform my own opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, Cat Williams is one that I think is extremely underrated when it comes to perspective and how this is what's happening in the world and this is what this means. You know, to me, the great standups, to me, there's two good jokes. A a joke, a good joke will define, to me, a good joke will answer one of two questions. Who are you as a person? Or how do you feel about a particular thing? Who are you? What do you feel? Those are the only two jokes to me that matter. Thanks so much to Roy for an epic interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Jerry Michael Smith, Marcus Harkis, Noel, and Sam Montes. Join us over at patreon.com slash show for more from Roy and get an extra episode every Friday only for Patreon subscribers. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shonda Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing people because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. 
Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.